Hello, and welcome to the Law Firm Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Griffiths, Executive Director of the International Lawyers Network. And with us this week is Olga Torres, who is the founding partner of Torres Law International Trade and National Security, who is based in Texas, but operates all over the U.S., and I believe they also have an office in Washington, D.C. Olga, welcome. Thank you. So why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your firm and the situation that you're in right now in Texas? So we are a boutique law firm. Uh, like you said, we have offices in Dallas, Texas, um, and a by appointment office in Washington, D.C. In, in most of our days, typically, um, we will be splitting our time between Washington and Dallas, but because of the pandemic, we're pretty much right now all you know working from home mm-hmm. um, we run an international trade and national security practice and what that means is we're highly specialized we focus mainly on or only on customs compliance export compliance economic sanctions so a lot of the US regulatory uh, based agency work um, so we, we deal with for example Department of State, almost on a daily basis, mm-hmm. Department of Commerce, uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Uh, we do national security as well, and we typically label that as uh, foreign investment coming into the United States, and there are certain uh, committees that, that you have to, or that you may need to do filings with, authorizing certain investments. So we do a lot of that work as well. So highly specialized, very niche, um, and we've been able to to grow our firm because of that, uh, how specialized we are. And despite everything going on with the pandemic, the this type of work hasn't slowed down, right? No, I would say, well, yes and no. Um, and I know it's a very lawyer answer, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so it has slowed down in the sense that we may be opening less cases. Um, so we see that a lot of our clients, for example, we, we, we represent a lot of clients in the aerospace industry. Um, so all of those typical clients that we will be getting in every year, uh, we're seeing less of that. I think aerospace industry is going through a lot of turmoil right now. And the current clients that we have, which are keeping us busy, we're seeing um, you know, a series of furloughs and you know, people that we were used to dealing with all of a sudden, you know, we know that now they're terminated and things like that. So, so we see um, clients being more concerned about, for example, budgets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are staying busy because of our existing client work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are seeing a slowdown in new client sign-up. And I think, it, it, you know, it's, it's just going to be probably something that goes on for the rest of 2020. I'm not sure. Um, we, we've been able to, to stay very busy all of this year. Uh, we had a, a very large deadline actually do this week, but, but so far we haven't felt, um, you know, a, a slowdown except in the, because of previous client work or 
clients that we have signed up um, before the pandemic hit. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see the rest of the year and how, how that develops. How that goes. Yeah. You know, how, how it ends up working out. Yeah. And I think I know um, for you, one of the ways that you were particularly active is doing a lot of speaking opportunities. And I know you know, business development is one of the questions that we, we get a lot from our member firms. How do people do business development in a pandemic and, and an economic downturn? Um, so being that you were so active in doing a tremendous amount of traveling, doing a lot of speaking opportunities, how is that something you've been able to translate or have you been able to translate during this time when we're really locked down? Yeah, so a lot of, I would say one of our largest expenses as a law firm, um, you know, in addition to probably real estate, uh, it would be marketing. And we have, like you said, we, every year we have a lot of international travel, mainly to do speaking or, or meeting with clients or potential clients abroad. Um, this year we had, at, at least I had between March and June, I had five or six um, international trips. Obviously all of it got canceled. A lot of it were um, sponsorships that we had in conferences in Europe and, and some other places. So the good thing, you know, we're small. I don't have a committee that I have to <laughs> go and, and request, you know, permission to switch budgets around and, and, and whatever. So I was able to, to quickly adapt, I would say, um, perhaps much easier than, than, than larger firms. So what I did is I realized that, okay, most of these trips are gonna be canceled. Initially, we were sort of seeing if it, if it was gonna be this bad, but once the administration gave the order to cease, um, uh, you know, when they closed the borders to Europe, I said, okay, so that's not gonna be working out for us. So yeah. I was able to do other things. You know, we, we um, were doing a lot of virtual networking. A lot of the conferences, conferences ended up moving virtual. Right. Which is not the same experience, but ironically, we were actually talking about it the other day. Um, for some of these conferences, when we go in person, we, we ended up getting less people. I think in part because they had concurrent tracks and things like that. And, and we're seeing that a lot of the virtual conferences, we're seeing, you know, 200 plus people show up for, for our sessions. So, wow. yeah, so I think, you know, some, some things may end up working out for the best. Um, but, you know, I, I, I still think in person, it's hard to beat, right? So, but we're just adapting to the best of our ability. Right. And I think, you know, certainly for the future, some sort of hybrid of the two is going to be where, where we end up. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I totally agree with you in person. There's nothing that can replace that. But for people that are less able to travel, it will be nice if we can still continue some of these virtual opportunities for them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that, you know, I wonder if once things open up, I wonder if, if people will always have that option because I think right. for a lot of these conference organizers, what I'm hearing is we increased the, the number of people that can attend, right? So there's no, they don't have to request, you know, permission or budget approval to travel to such and such town. And, and so it's a lot easier for them to get approval. So I wonder if going forward, if they would have, you know, both options where, hey, you can come to the conference in person, but if you cannot, then we also have the virtual option. Because they will have the, the setup already in place to, to do that. 
Right. And I wonder how we would overcome that sort of networking piece if we can still do both of those. So obviously, if you do have a substantial number of people who are available online, if you can still substitute in some way that networking ability for them while the people that are able to attend in person can also network, obviously, face to face. Yeah, I think we're doing a lot more. Well, I think we were doing it before, but we're taking it more seriously, the, the online networking, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I find it interesting. I feel like, so, so we're 100% corporate. I mean, we typically, I don't think we ever represent individuals as such, right? Um, so we were talking about, about it the other day because we rarely have people come into our office. I mean, once in a while, there'll be a general counsel or that is in town or something like that, and they stop by, but it's... It's actually quite rare. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, in a lot of the conference calls now, people expect to see you, um, which is something new now, right? So now you have to worry about, (laughs) do I need to be doing my makeup that day and my hair? Um, So we're having a lot of that with our clients. They want to see you. And so I don't think that that's going to go back. And so ironically with the pandemic, I think we're seeing more of our clients, like in actual, like seeing their face, right? Because before it was, you know, you don't see them. It's just conference calls. You know, they could be all the, you know, in a different country for all you know, but now they're expecting, you know, through Zoom or whatever uh, platforms they're using, they're they're expecting to see you. So I think that's interesting. I think there's a lot of truth to that and I, I'm finding the same thing. So do you think, I mean, obviously you said, you know, you, you operate a, a fairly slim team and so it must have been somewhat easier to move yourselves to remote, but did that challenge of your clients needing to see you virtually make that remote working more of a challenge? So, so far, no, except for the fact that you, you know, that day you have to be ready to go <laughs> on makeup and, and such. But um, so we, in the, in, the DC, in the DC office, we were fully virtual already. Okay. Um, so th- there was no transition whatsoever there. Um, and I already had an employee out of Seattle area and she was fully set up. So for her, it was just business as usual. Um, not, not granted, she was coming um, at least every two months to, to Dallas. So, you know, she may miss that, I don't know. But um, in Dallas, I, I feel like we transition quickly because, you know, we're, we're a small office. Um, you know, uh, uh, most of our associates are young. So it, it was fairly easy for them to transition. They didn't have issues that I'm hearing with other law firms like childcare and, um, you know, just not having the space in their house, etc. So we didn't have any of that. Um, which I've heard it's quite challenging for some other law firms. Um, So I think for us, it was fairly smooth um, to to transition. Uh, I think we transitioned even before the government had uh, sent the order, uh, the shelter in place order. I think we were already working from home by then. So, so far it's worked out. That's great. And do you think, I know this is a question that is coming up a lot, and because you have those sort of two satellite offices or people, is that now that everyone is working remotely, is that making your firm as a whole closer and feeling more united? Because, yes. it, yeah, talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a really good question. So, for example, you know, even though I, I mentioned we had an emperor, for example, out of Seattle, so she would, we would bring her down at, the, at least every two months or so, and, and our council um, out of DC would also be here actually quite often, um, at least four or five times uh, per year. Um, we never really, again, we never really had any social kind of activities with them as such, right? Unless they were in the office. So right now we're doing things like virtual happy hours where, you know, we, we go around and, and uh, order different types of drinks. Like we had one two weeks ago, for example, and it was basically like a virtual tasting. So we had like six different types of drinks. Everybody gets the same drinks from the same company. And so we had somebody that would join and explain the history of the drinks. And it was very interesting because it, I got comments right away from, uh, you know, the ones that, the people that were in, in the virtual, virtual offices, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, and they were the most engaged ones. Um, so I feel like they really needed that. Um, that they needed more of a, hey, let's see each other. Even if it's virtual, we're still hanging out and we're still having fun. Um, so I think that is something that I learned from the pandemic that I wasn't doing before, that it can be done and feel that more of a um, connection with them, like in a social setting, even though it's virtual. Um, and I'm just waiting for them to come to the office in person. So I, I really like that. And I think we'll continue that, you know, even after everything goes back to normal, but we'll continue doing those activities for sure. That's great. And I think, you know, that's really hopeful for firms and, you know, a network too, like ours, where you can have those connections and make people feel closer socially in a way that will help those relationships and, and help people to understand they can really work from anywhere and still feel part of the entire organization. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because when we did the first happy hour, one of my associates said, you know, do you notice that the ones that were talking the most were, you know, the ones that are <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, we really, I think that's one of the things that we've learned from the pandemic, and I think it, it's, it's good stuff. I think we'll continue doing it. They probably have the least interaction with other people, maybe, in general. I know yeah. as a, as a, as a full-time remote worker, that's how I feel, so. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's what it was, and I thought it was interesting that, that one of my associates said it because um, they were really engaged in the conversation and everything. So I, I think it's, it's, you know, like, I wonder how much it, the, the landscape will change, right? People are saying, oh, you know, office are not going to be needed anymore. I, I don't think it's going to be that, that much of a difference. I think most people will have flexible policies. I don't think real estate will go, you know, you still need to have offices and things like right. that. But right. But I, I do think these are the kinds of things that will stick around even after we go back to normal. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I, I think we need other people and that has been a big lesson of this too. So I agree with you that there will still be a need for office space and the ability to come in and, and collaborate with other people. But um, that ability to have virtual space as well has become very important. Yeah. So, and, I mean, we, we already had a lot of it because we travel so much. So right. we already were members, you know, like your typical virtual offices where wherever you go, you have an office. 
um, and things like that. So that's why we, we were set up in a way where the transition was very smooth. Yeah. Um, and, and all of our, so a lot of the concerns that we kept hearing, for example, for, from some other law firms, you know, cybersecurity concerns, if you're working remote, um, or, you know, cloud storage, if you're working, if you're doing that, you know, in subservers and things like that. So because of what we do, we already had very secure systems to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, now, not to say that, that we, you know, we can all improve and make, and make uh, you know, right now we're doing, for example, extra security that we're launching. We're doing a cybersecurity risk assessment and things like that. Um, but we overall, especially for our size, we were very cyber secure already because of what we, the kind of work that we handle. So a lot of what I heard initially was, you know, we fear all these various things that could go wrong from a cybersecurity standpoint when you do the transition. And I feel like we didn't have as much of that. And it could also be the number of employees. I mean, we're smaller, um, but, but it was easier for us, I think, than, than a lot of other firms that had to do the transition. Right. It sounds like you thought through this process previously to this becoming an issue for many firms because of the nature of the business that you're in and, and the way that you were working already. So I think that's really what the key was, less the size of your firm and more that because of the way you were working, it was something that had just come up already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned? Do you think that when you realized that this was going to be a pandemic, we were going to shut down and things were going to really change? Biggest lesson. Hmm. I think the way we do business uh, changed drastically in, in the sense of, you know, our marketing, for example, we talked about that already. Um, for us, that's really the biggest lesson that we just wouldn't be able to rely on our old, um, or not old, but you know, the, the current plan that we had. Um, yeah. and, and so being able to, to just do everything virtual has challenges as well. Like, you know, we talked about it's not the same as in person. Um, having to quickly move funds from in-person conferences and find out, okay, what are what kinds of activities can we sign up for to get exposure to, um, you know, try to still get new cases this year, things like that. So I think that was the biggest lesson learned for us, being quick and, and adapting to a new marketing strategy. Right, right. What's something you wish you had known? Hmm. That it would last a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, we kept thinking, okay, by May, maybe by June. And now I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, we're thinking maybe next summer when we're going to have a business travel again. Yeah. Um, so, but again, because we were able to quickly, you know, work remote, move to work remote and we moved to a virtual marketing strategy quick, uh, quickly. Um, I think it ended up working out, but it, I don't think we ever envisioned this lasting this long. Yeah, I think you're not alone in that. I think most of us would agree, definitely. What does sort of that 2.0 situation look like for you? Are you right now really just 
in more of a reactive mode and, and a wait and see mode? Or are you planning for that return to the office consideration um, and, and hopefully that return to travel? Or what does that look like for you right now? In terms of, uh, in terms of marketing or? I'd say, I'd say both marketing and business development and working in office. Um, so post pandemic, I would say we probably will be a lot more flexible with remote work, um, in the sense that, you know, we had our traditional five day week from the office. So I, I really don't think we're going to go to a five day, we'll probably do four day, um, in the office. Um, I do also want to introduce some other things. So like if people want to do remote work for, you know, let's say two weeks a month um, in Europe or, or something like that, um, that, that they may, we may be able to do that, especially because we, you know, we, we could use offices in, in those countries. Right. Um, so I think that's sort of some of the changes that I see from our marketing strategy We've learned a lot from the virtual marketing world. Um, I think you do get to more people doing virtual mm -hmm. um, versus in person. So, you know, the numbers are a lot higher. So I think going forward, my, and I think people talk about it from, you know, from an investment standpoint, it's, it's in-person travel, you know, or business in-person travel, is that gonna be half of what we had? So at least for me, I would say maybe, um, because you know, a lot of what we were doing in terms of going and speaking to events, I don't know that I will do everything in person anymore. I think I'll do a combination of things. Um, so I don't think I'm gonna drop the, uh, the virtual model that we have in terms of marketing. Um, so I think it'll be probably 50-50. Um, so I think that's sort of, in terms of the post-pandemic world, what I'm seeing, in terms of permanent changes for us. Yeah, no, those make a lot of sense. What is one piece of advice you would offer to other law firm leaders or lawyers in general as they're going through this? Hmm. I would say be patient uh, and, and just, you know, I, I've been hearing a lot of people say, we're very nervous. Our clients are, you know, struggling. We're not getting bills paid, and 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 all that. I would say be patient and, and just keep on marketing, keep on doing business development. Um, if you're not busy at the moment, try to do writing, speaking engagements, and just get ready for when things start getting back to normal. Yeah, I think that's great advice. You know, I always think that there's a lot of fear that comes when things start to slow down or close up, but you're totally right. Um, the market will always eventually right itself. And so the question really is just how much can you hustle while you have some downtime? Right. I think, that, I think that's the key. You know, you it may be where you're in a situation and thankfully we haven't had it at least, you know, not wood. Um, but you know, you have to be ready to, to just, to, to do that, what you just said, hustle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, hustle in a way where it's a smart hustle, like make yourself relevant, write, 
do research, um, do interviews, and, and try to get your name out there. Because I, I do know a lot of people's legal budgets were cut. Yes. Um, so at the end of the day, they, you know, once things go back to normal, people will need lawyers and you know, it's more likely that you will get calls if they, they were used to hearing your name or they saw you speak at virtual conferences or they saw your articles or read your articles. So you just have to stay involved in the game. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what is something totally unrelated to this that you are enjoying right now? So I, I have a toddler at home. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's quite nice to be able to take breaks and hang out with him and, you know, take my lunch with him. So yeah. I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of him than I normally would have in, you know, without working from home. Um, I'm really enjoying him and I'm really seeing him, you know, in, in his mo- I, I say in the, his fun years, his cute years. Yeah. So, um, for me, that's been really the silver lining of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The toddler years, I think, are the most fun. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've had a couple of conferences that I was speaking and, you know, there are like 200 plus people on the line and, you know, I'm speaking and then all of a sudden you hear, Mama! <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we all remember that poor BBC reporter whose children wander in in the middle of his uh, his reporting <laughs> online, and then now that's all of us. So. <laughs> true, true. We've all got a dog or a child coming into our Zoom calls or our our uh, you know our speeches, so we yeah. understand that intimately. <laughs> <laughs> Too cute. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. No, thanks for the invite. It was fun. Awesome. And thanks to all of our listeners as well. We will be back next week with another guest. And please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel 